Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Lackey. Alongside me are my co hosts, Peyton Trollinger, and special guest co host, uh, Johnny Sakaguchi. Uh, Scotty and TK were both unavailable this evening. They have prior commitments. Uh, Scotty's currently working the Pony League, Pony League World Series. Uh, so good for him. Good luck to him. And tonight we are joined by a special guest, uh, Nick Barden. Um, contributor for the Leafs Nation and YouTube personality as well. Um, does a lot of really good um, prospect-based videos, lots of tomorrow, Toronto Marlies breakdowns. And um, while you're at it, you guys should subscribe to him on YouTube. Uh, just at Nick Barton. So Nick, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. Nice, nice summer evening. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing pretty good. You know, pretty good, um, pretty good. Weather's, weather's decent up here in PA. Um, it's been decent recently, but it's been raining literally all week. So we're lots just kinda, of rain. Yeah, just like trapped inside, not doing much. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, I'm really excited that we're having you on because, you know, been watching your a lot of your videos for quite some time now. And, you know, I poked my head into a couple today. Um, as we were getting ready to do this and like, you know, a lot of big free agent signings from the Maple Leafs this summer. Obviously they got Peter Morazic to run with Jack Campbell in a one, a one B type of tandem. And, um, you got Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie. Um, those two are going to be playing potentially in what could be bottom six roles. Um, you know, and you still have a lot of guys, down in the minors that are ready to come up and contribute. We all know that Nick Robertson's pretty much ready to go. It's just a matter of if there's going to be a spot for him. Joey Anderson's knocking at the door. And I think this year is going to finally be the year that we get to see Timothy Lilligren. So I think this might be the deepest team that they've had since they drafted Matthews. And this might end up being their best chance at going at it and basically doing the damn thing. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I'd like to say that every year they've had a really good chance and then they've they've ruined it. They've ruined every single, um, just everything. <laughs> I'm putting it bluntly, but that's what they're doing. They're ruining my life. They're ruining everyone else's life. But, I mean, they have a lot of pieces. They had a lot of pieces last year. It's really, to me with them getting guys like Michael Bunting and the few others that you said, it's really about just finding a place for them to fit because they're not all really big name players that you're going to have like Zach Hyman, for example, who automatically goes in your top six. These guys are players that really not a lot of people know about, and it's just going to be interesting to see where they'll fit because if any of them can fit beside Matthews and Marner, that'll be good. If another one can fit beside Tavares and Nylander, that'll be awesome because those two lines have really not had much other than really Zach Hyman. And then you have Ilya Mikheyev who slots in there as well, but he doesn't really provide top six scoring that you'd really need. So if any of those guys that they signed can fit into those two lines, and they can produce and they can score like Michael Bunting did last season. 
I, I mean, it's a recipe for success and it'll be one thing that I'm looking forward to next season, as well as seeing if Timothy Lilligren can step up as well as seeing whether or not Rasmus Sandin can be really the next best defenseman that the Leafs have coming up and Nick Robertson as well. There's, there's so many exciting things to look at in terms of this season, but again, I, one thing that I just don't like is that we have to wait 82 more games to see a playoffs again, because that, that sucks a lot. Yeah. That's the difficult part, you know, but you got to think of it this way. They have more than enough time for it all to come together and everything to fall into place. Um, In my opinion, I think that the true recipe for success is, um, to see if one of Richie, Kasha, or Bunting can fit with Matthews and Marner. And I'm pretty much in the way of thinking of um, something went horribly wrong if Nick Robertson isn't stapled to the Taveras and Elander line. Um, I think that that's probably his best chance to, to succeed. And, um, you know, I think that that makes the lineup that much deeper because I know there's been a lot of people talking, at least on Twitter and a, in other areas saying that maybe Alexander Kerfoot plays left wing um, in the top six somewhere. And I'm not a really a big fan of that just simply because, you know, I like David camp. I like him as a fourth line center. I don't think that he should be a third line center. Um, you know, Adam Brooks maybe could be a third line center, but you know, with Kerfoot, if you have him in that third line center role, with the, with the quality wingers that he could potentially be playing with, you're really cooking with gas in terms of, you know, finding quality depth scoring that I feel like the Leafs haven't had over the past several seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, again, like you said, there wasn't real, there wasn't really much of it in the playoffs last year. It was really trying to get Matthews to score. He didn't really score. Tavares went out so early, and that was one of the things that kind of knocked the train off the rails a little bit. But there wasn't anyone to sort of make up that extra space that was needed when Matthews couldn't produce or when Nylander had one bad game because he was the one who was sort of leading the way for this team. So if if they can do something and get the bottom six rolling and somehow just find a way for all these guys to just be able to produce and just find a way where they can all gel together and it works instead of it being an inconsistent thing and Sheldon Keefe trying to tinker with it all the time, it's going to be good. But if Keefe has to just sit there and ever after every game, just keep on fixing the lines like he did last season, it's, it's going to be a thing that's not, it's not going to be fun for me just to be watching and then let alone those guys having to go in and out of the lineup or in and out of certain lines. So if they can find ways to produce early, find ways to have success early and continue that success, it's going to be very good for them down the line and going into the playoffs. Yeah. I was going to kind of add to that too. Like, like you guys were mentioning, this is probably one of the most deep, the deepest uh, Maple Leafs lineup as we've seen in years. And, you know, every year, hopes up, hopes down, you know, I'm, the, I'm right there with you. But, you know, I feel like a lot of people always forget how important the bottom six is in hockey because when you have 
big names like Matthews, Tavares, you know, Marner, you know, they can't always produce every game. You expect them to, but sometimes it doesn't happen. They have an off night. And then that's whenever you get those guys like Andre Kasha, Nick Ritchie, Dave Comp, or Camp, you know, those guys step up and they get on the score sheet for you and bail you out. And if you have a very strong bottom six, you can go a lot of places and you can go very deep in the playoffs. I feel like that's a big thing the Maple Leafs have been missing for all these years is a solid bottom six. Yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest thing for them is making it out of the first round. It's sort of like (laughs) Washington did with Pittsburgh. And you guys, I mean, once they got out of the first round, they went all the way. So a few years ago, I thought it would be, oh, just beat Boston. Then you're good. They didn't beat Boston. Then I said, okay, do it again. Let's see if you can beat Boston. They didn't. And then it was Columbus. They were so close there. Now it was Montreal. Oh, they were so close. So close. But, I I mean, that's – I've said it every year, and after every season I get torn apart because of what happens to them, and I'm just like, why why do I watch this team anymore? (laughs) And then I was saying – I was literally saying that, and then – the locker cleanout day comes, they say their stuff and I'm like, screw it. I'm back in. And then I know with this Amazon series, that's coming out the all or nothing one. Like I want to watch it. There's a lot of people who say they won't watch it, but they're going to watch it. Um, But that's another thing when it comes out, it's going to be binge watched by me and a lot of other people. And then it's going to get you hyped up for the season. And then who knows if they break our hearts again, hopefully they don't. Hopefully, you know, it'd be nice to see an all or nothing too and then go all the way and win the cup, but that probably won't happen. But it's it's all about getting past that first round for them. And if they can do it, I, I don't have any words to think about if they do do it. It'll be like the, it'll be like them winning the cup to me because I've never seen it before. Well, I have seen <laughs> it, but it's been a long, long time. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the big thing all the things have to come together. They have to have luck and everything to do that. But if they can do it, it'll be all okay. Yeah. And I honestly, I can't wait to watch the uh, all or nothing series either. I'm looking forward to checking it out. And I was listening to Steve Dangle yesterday and, you know, they were like, Oh, we're upset that it comes out October 1st, but really it's the, it's the best possible time for it to come out because all those people that are like upset saying like, Oh, I've quit on the Leafs. They need to trade Marner. They need to trade Nylander, whatever it is. They're gonna, that, that show is going to be their best effort to pull everyone back in and pull everyone together before the start of the year. You know? Yeah. I was, I was literally thinking before, like before even it came out, I was like, okay, it's going to come out in August. And then they announced October 1st. And I'm like, wow, I don't know marketing. Um, Uh, that's like it's such a good place for it to go because like you said it's almost the beginning of the season people are gonna want to have eyes on that then if it came out in august or september people are gonna uh, there won't be a lot of people who watch it there's people at their cottages there's people all around and they're not really gonna want to sit there and watch a documentary of the Leafs losing and losing and winning and then losing again so (laughs) Um, it's a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people say they aren't going to watch it 
everyone's going to watch it. And it's going to be something to me. I, I enjoy that type of stuff. I love seeing the behind the scenes stuff of everything. I like seeing how players interact with others when it's not on the ice, how they react behind the scenes and how they just interact with people. So that's an interesting thing, but no, it was a perfect place to put that. And it was a great marketing ploy. Yeah, it was. We're all for like the behind the scenes aspect too. Um, I don't know if you've seen it before, but the Penguins have basically their own version of this. They've been doing it for 10 years now. It's called In the Room. And it's been like watching that like year by year as it progresses, it just keeps getting better and better. And it's just awesome to get like that behind the scenes look at like Crosby and Malkin and how they go about their everyday lives. And I'm really looking forward to see how specifically, I'm just looking forward to seeing how like Kyle Dubas handles things from day to day with the Maple Leafs, because that trailer, whatever he was like, I'm starting to get, get impatient. I'm just like, I need to know exactly what he's talking about in that moment. Like I'm really itching to know what that is. I was, I was surprised just like, he seems like such a calm human being. He seems like when, when the Leafs like get eliminated and everything is literally so bad, he's just sitting there being calm. He's taking responsibility for it all. You don't, I guess, I guess a lot of people don't see GMs getting mad because they're really all behind the scenes unless you're Pierre Dorian throwing a cup of water at the wall. But, um, no, it, it's going to be cool to see, especially with Dubis, um, to see how mad he gets. I want to see what Sheldon Keefe does when this team is on the brink of winning a series and then they go out and lose three straight. Um, I, I'm I'm ready for it all. I'm ready for it to be good. I'm ready for it to be bad. I, I'm ready for it all. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I... I couldn't agree more. Now, to get back into, like, Maple Leafs players talk, um, you know, obviously we've talked about the big three guys that are going to come up for or could potentially come up from, from the Marlies this year and produce in Sandine. Well, Sandine was up most of the year, but Sandine, like, getting a more steady role, Lily Green coming up and proving himself, and then Nick Robertson finally getting that run. Who's an underrated Marley's player that we're we that the three of us may not be thinking about that might potentially come up to the NHL this year and make a big impact. I know last year I think Adam Brooks turned some heads. Um, who are you thinking that that type of player is going to be this season? Um, I'm I'm thinking Adam Brooks. I'm thinking Joey Anderson. Um, that's really I I can't really think of any. I I, w- I would say some like defensemen, but. Their defensemen, they have a loaded decor. Like, there's nobody. Like, I'll be surprised if even Lilligren gets into there because there's so many players that are already in there. You have Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Hall, and then it's Sandine and probably Dermot. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see where Lilligren fits. Although he should be in there full time because he's probably getting a little bit impatient. It, it looked like that last season when you ask them about it, but I mean, there's guys like Christians, Rubens, a few others on the defense who, who are, are, who are getting up there, who are getting up to that realm of, okay, like we could see them in the NHL. Um, 
Nick Robertson's going to be a big one. He'll get in. Um, but the big ones that I'm saying are, are Joey Anderson and um, Adam Brooks. There, I know there's a few others. I know Michael Amadio is another guy as well. I don't really know too much about him to really say whether or not he'll be there. It'll really all depend on training camp. But if I had to pick two players who were likely going to get a shot and a fair shot because Brooks was coached under Sheldon Keefe. So he kind of knows what he's dealing with. It would be Brooks and it would be Joey Anderson as well. And then Nick Robertson too. Yeah. I'm I, myself specifically, I'm really interested in seeing what Joey Anderson can bring to the table. Um, you know, you, you think of him as like the ultimate, like third or fourth line guy. Um, you know, when, when he's needed. Um, I think that he has a lot of potential um, to be a really good depth piece. And, you know, obviously they, they signed him to that three-year deal right after they traded uh, Andreas Johnson for him for a reason. So obviously the expectation is that he's going to come up and contribute either this year or next, and then they just go from there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you said, they got – they wanted somebody to come in for Janssen and he's got to be that guy. Um, I don't know how he he's improved a lot from last season. I mean, he had a lot of development practices. They all had a lot of development practices. And one of the things he was talking about on working on was his skating and he improved on that, but unfortunately his season got cut short due to an injury. Um, But again, He's a guy who was on the power play. He was really good there. He was really good at producing in the AHL, and you'd think this guy is able to produce there, and he's young. He's going to be able to do it in the NHL, and he might be able to do it for a long time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Now, goaltending-related question. Um, Obviously, they have two great goalies now. I take it Jack Campbell's going to be the number one going in, um, at least to start. Yeah, I'd okay. I'd say I'd say so. I mean, uh, I don't I, I I think it'll be like a one like you said earlier one a one b type of thing. Mm-hmm. I think they'll share the net unless Jack Campbell comes out and has an amazing start. But also, I'm pretty sure Peter Morazic is getting paid more than Jack Campbell at this moment. So you'd think him coming to Toronto, he was probably told that he would be getting some starts too. So as much as I think Jack Campbell, if he takes the job and runs with it and does pretty good, will get that full-time spot. I don't know if Leaf fans will be happy with Peter Morazic at three plus million dollars sitting on the bench for three quarters of the season. So I, I think it'll go back and forth, but I, I love Jack Campbell. Great guy. Peter Morazic seems like a great guy already too. I hope they both share the net and I hope they both succeed, but there's always that chance that one of these two guys could take the net and run with it. But I, I think it'll be a one, a one B type of thing. Yeah. That's, that's actually the thing that I'm looking forward to most, not just how the team handles handles it, but just how Leafs fans in general handle like a 1A, 1B type of tandem. Because I know that in Pittsburgh, 
it was literally like it turned into a civil war. You were either a Matt Murray guy or a Flurry guy. Yeah. Uh, don't remind me of that. <laughs> that, that. It was Dougie can detest this because me and him were on two different sides of, of that line. And it, it was chaos. With in Toronto, it was sort of um, this season, it was sort of like Frederick Anderson was falling off, and people were like, Jack Campbell, give Jack Campbell the spot. So they did, and then he did really well. And then Frederick Anderson was coming back, and people are like, No, no, we don't want him. And I was sitting there thinking, Poor Frederick Anderson gave his life for this team for like five or six years, and he was played incredible and got them to where they are today and then people just give up on him just like that and i was like i wasn't a fan of it i thought anderson should get a fair shot he obviously did not play i don't think another game but i don't know he went to the marlies he led a bunch of goals in there people weren't happy about that i have different opinions on that about how and why he let in those goals but i mean at the end of the day a lot of people wanted Jack Campbell. They got Jack Campbell. So it is what it is. Yeah. And I feel like that's how like all these like 1A, 1Bs end up. Someone ends up be, becoming the clear number one. And whether or not you want it or not, you're living and dying with that person. And you're most likely dying with that person. And that, like, that's just, that's just how it goes. I mean, it's how it went with Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. Now, I mean, Look at look at where the Penguins are at. I mean, the franchise is basically in shambles because they don't have good goaltending. We have no idea how much longer the Crosby Malkin contending window is going to be open simply because of goaltending. And that is what that is. Who who are Pittsburgh's goaltenders right now? Uh Tristan Jari, Jari and Casey DeSmith. Oh, I forgot about Tristan Jari. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's that was the guy that passed the puck to Matt Barzell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's my goal. Peyton, <laughs> why did you remind me of that nightmare? I, I had to. We have we had to bring it up. All right. So uh, steering the bus back onto the uh, road here, um, but so big question, obviously. Um, pretty nonsensical one but like are you were you ever feeding into the whole idea of breaking up the core four um i was when they lost i mean that mm-hmm. it's it's the fan in me it's the fan in everyone yeah. when they lose like that you you make these quick decisions in your head of like i'm done with mitch marner i'm done with I guess it's only Mitch Marner because that's what the fan base really wants to get at. But I mean, it's a, it's a tough game. These guys are human beings. They're not like, I I think there was one night. I don't remember if this was a thing, but like players have off nights and they're not always going to produce. They're not always going to play well. And it's not their fault. They're a human being. Sometimes I go to beer league when COVID was not a thing. And I wouldn't score. I wouldn't do anything. That just happens. That's the way of the game. But, man, if some of the fans in the NHL were GMs, these teams would be imploding because of 
just just the decisions that would be made after a big loss. But I, I do think I said this last season after they were eliminated by Columbus, that if they lose again in the first round or they don't make the playoffs because they're going into this season in an Atlantic division, that's pretty good. I said it last season and I'll say it now. If, if they don't get out of the first round and say it's Mitch Marner who has another season that's just, or not a season, sorry, a playoffs that's not really eventful for him. He may not be the one to go. It might be Kyle Dubas for betting on himself and saying, you know what, we're going to stick with these guys. But it's a th- something has to change eventually if they're going to lose. And I'm hoping they all can stay because I enjoy all of them. I, I, I like them all. They're all signed to deals that they're worth. People might want to argue that Mitch Marner is not worth his money. And at the end of the day, I think there's going to be a time that comes where they learn what it's like to lose. And hopefully it was after last season and the seasons past where they learn, okay, enough's enough. Like we're not doing it again. And they win a series. But if, if they don't win a series after this playoffs, if they make it there, something has to change. And I don't know whether it's a player. I don't know whether it's the GM. I don't think it would be Sheldon Keith, but something would have to change, but hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it just is okay. They just make it out of the first round and all is calm. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is like, you know, them losing like this, it's all going to cause the dam to break at some point. It's just a matter of when, Um, you know, obviously we didn't experience this a whole lot in Pittsburgh in the very beginning of the core. They had one, fluke year where they got destroyed by the senators who went to the stanley cup final that year and then you know that detroit thing happened um the next year but honestly man like you know this team has a deep playoff run in them i i don't i don't see a world where they don't figure it out because i watch austin matthews play every night and he is one of the most confident most cocky players I've ever seen play. And you need that type of stuff going into a playoff series. You need, like, I need, I need petty Austin Matthews in like a second round playoff matchup or like an Eastern conference final type matchup. I need it. Um, I want to see it so bad because I feel like once the stakes get higher, those guys are going to go and they're going to start just contributing and doing well. Um, you know, it's just literally, like you said, it's like the Capitals. All they have to do is get past the first round, and I, I have full confidence that it's going to happen. You know, I have full confidence that they're going to make that run, and it's all all this stuff that we're talking about here tonight and that we've been talking about for the past five years is going to go out the window and be just a distant memory. Uh, I really hope you're right. I uh... <laughs> I wish remember the game where he played when they played against Chicago and him and Patrick Kane were going back and forth with their celebration. Yes. I wish yes. we see something like that. I mean, Matthews is a type of guy who 
He scores. He loves it. He has fun. He shows emotion. When the playoffs come, I don't like to say it, but these guys all turn, they turn cold. And it just, it, it's, they said it all last season and they said it in the press conferences when they are eliminated by Columbus, they got to find killer instinct. They were so close to doing it. They were two overtimes, uh, not away, but they had two overtimes to do it to Montreal and they didn't. They, they have to find somewhere deep down to just do it. And Austin Matthews is the type of guy, like you said, he's cocky. He could do it. I, he could probably do it all straight four rounds, but it's it's just gonna have to, I guess, come with experience, unfortunately. And it, it sucks because guys like Cole Caulfield come into the league and he's off to the Stanley Cup finals in his first year. And Austin mm-hmm. Matthews hasn't got out of the first round for his entire career. So man, I, I'm just, I'm hoping. I, I'm I'm not getting my hopes up. I say that every year until the playoffs come. I, I'm not getting my hopes up. That's I'm in the same exact boat because if you can't tell, the Maple Leafs are my second favorite team. They're the team that I follow the most outside of Pittsburgh. And every time it looks like the wheels are about to fall off the Penguins bus, I immediately jump over to the Maple Leafs. And I think I think it's a I think it's a me thing. I'm starting to think it's a me thing because they looked so good the first few games of that Montreal series. And then no joke, I turned on one of the games. I, I turned on literally the game Tavares got hurt. And then it just started. The entire thing started. But, you know, I think, but you're right. It's a mental thing. They have to find that killer instinct. You know, these great teams that have done it before have that killer instinct. You know, I mean, guys on Tampa Bay's fourth line have it. You know, um, I mean, we didn't know who Anthony Sorelli was until like a year and a half, two years ago. And he just came in and had it every single moment that he was in the playoffs, you know, and you think about, I mean, guys on Pittsburgh, like, I mean, the guy who had probably the biggest killer instinct in the back-to-back runs for the Penguins, probably Nick Benino, like, Every single time you, that guy went over the boards, you knew he was going to do something at that point in his career. And, you know. I was going to make the it? argument. Go for it. I was going to say, I was going to make the argument for the back-to-back runs. You want to throw, oh, Patrick Hornquist in there. They're down and dirty. Yeah. He didn't care. Or was chirping away. Hey, Trevor Daly, eating up until he, he had the injury. Those are guys that I think while the teams are missing and Pittsburgh or Toronto, oh, I could go down the list of the league of players that are missing that killer instinct. Yeah. I mean, it's like literally that's all it is. They're so close. Um, This is the deepest team they're going to have or that they've had in recent memory. Um, I just hope they find it now. Um, Rody and Amirov, how big of a look do you expect him to get in training camp? Um, I actually don't. I don't believe he will be there. I don't. Okay. okay. I think he. I. I'm pretty sure. I don't know 100 percent because I'm sort of in the realm of Toronto Marlies, and I don't really. Mm-hmm. 
pop out of that box to the other prospects. But okay. I'm pretty sure he's signed this year with a team in Russia. I think okay. he, I don't know whether it's one year or two years. He did come over and he trained in Toronto during the summer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't believe though he's going to be in training camp. I, I could, I could be wrong. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I don't believe so. Yeah. I hope I that be, it, it'd be cool if he was, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy like Nick Robertson who he, he might not be as far ready as Robertson is already. Cause he's really played in North America and knows the style of the game. But I mean, he could be another guy who could really help this team in goal scoring, especially on one of the wings, because in the past the Leafs have been really short on left wingers. They have right wingers in Marner and Nylander who produce every night, but on the other side, like I said earlier, they don't got anyone. And now they're going to have to rely on guys like Michael Bunting. And then if Nick Robertson comes in and makes it, he will, he should be on that second line. But it, it would be really cool to see Rodian and Amarov there. I don't know if he is, but it would be cool. Yeah, the only, I, I hope he's there. But right, literally the moment you brought up the KHL situation, it would make sense for him to have a contract at least for this season. Um, kind of reminds me a lot of what the Canucks had going on with Vasily Putkolzin up until they were able to sign him to his ELC. Um, you know, but... Um, Really, man, I just think that, you know, so like the amount of times we brought up Michael Bunting tonight, we haven't even talked about it. That's probably the most interesting free agent forward wise that they signed because he did contribute a lot last year in Arizona. He had um, a really good sample size um, for them. And, you know, right right as we were going into free agency, I feel like he was just linked to the Maple Leafs right off the bat. And it just, it made all the sense in the world. Um, he's a guy who kind of gives me Zach Hyman vibes in a sense. And I would just wanted to know what your thoughts were on him because I'm pulling up his stats right now just to have the exact number. But I mean, he had 10 goals last season in 21 games. Um, that's nothing to sneeze at. No, I think that's that's a 30-goal season in 56 mm-hmm. or 30-plus. So, I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't – I'm off my hand. I don't know if there were any Leafs who had 30 last season. I don't – other than Matthews. I don't know 100%. But if he's, he's a guy, that's – it's obviously – it wouldn't be – a pace that he could follow for 82 games, but he's a really interesting guy in terms of whether he would be with Matthews and Marner or Tavares and Nylander. If he could go on a run and score, like he could score 30 goals. He could be a guy that just comes out of nowhere and he could be a missing piece that they needed because again, they really only had Zach Hyman and then um, Ilya Mikheyev or Alexander Kerfoot who to me, I agree with you that he's not really a left winger on the second line. I still, in my mind, think he's a third line center and that's where he should be. But to get a guy like that who could be a solid left winger, who could contribute, 
who could be worth a good deal because that's what he has right now for the Leafs is he's not signed to that high of a contract. It's, it's worth the risk if it doesn't work out. I mean, it happens, but I'd say it's a pretty solid bet by Dubas and the Leafs just to be able to just do that with him and bet on him and have him bet on himself to be a player that he thinks he can be. Yeah. And just looking at the player type and just his stat line for this point in his career, he reminds me a lot of Brian Rust. Um, Obviously a guy who came up, had a couple of chances before he ultimately became such a big part of the 16 and 17 runs. Um, You know, and I think that with bunting, it's like if you're able to tap into that potential, you do have a surefire 25 to 30 goal scorer on a cheap deal for a team that out of anyone in the league, they need that more than anyone, you know, like they, they need to keep finding random diamonds in the rough like this, you know, and everybody, I feel like everybody says this. I know I said this to myself last year with Jimmy BZ is it's all about finding guys who can play like Zach Hyman, you know, be like Zach Hyman where he, whenever he first came up where he's on a really cheap deal, playing well above his means and helping the team out in a lot of ways that you didn't expect was possible from that player. Mm -hmm. And even like you could tell early on, I I thought Jimmy VC wasn't really, he he didn't seem like the guy who wanted to go into the gritty parts and get the puck. There was guys like Galchenyuk who, Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to, I don't even know if he's signed yet, but I don't think he's going to be with the Leafs, but he was a guy that he fit that role, even though he was sort of, to me, inconsistent at sometimes he was still providing that energy to go into the boards where people don't like to go. He was providing the skill. He was providing the energy. He was providing everything that you'd want from a player that could play up in that top six. And Hopefully, Bunting and another guy, if they do have a top six, and maybe it's Robertson, who knows, hopefully those guys just find a way to do it all together. And hopefully, if they can do it together, hopefully it makes for an interesting season and one that they can go to the trade deadline and not have to be like, oh, we got to give up another first rounder for somebody else who has to produce in the top six. Hopefully that that's not the case this season. Like it was with Nick Foligno last season. Um, I've had enough of, uh, he's not old, but I've had enough of getting old players and Mm -hmm. betting on them. It didn't work with Joe Thornton. Thankfully it worked with Jason Spezza. It sort of worked with Wayne Simmons. Really we'll have to wait and see on that one, but I'm done with, just trying to get the old people that that's very rude, but just like the veterans who just the veterans who are starving for a Stanley cup, Jason Spezza. I know for a fact he is starving. He went into that Columbus series and fought. I don't even know if he fought before that, but he went and did it there. He he's great with all the younger players. He's, they're teaching players, and Joe Thornton was like that too. But Joe Thornton's running out of gas, and I'm surprised. At, well, a team signed him, the Florida Panthers, but he's still good. 
but he's not good where the Leafs were putting him on the first line with Austin Matthews. And it eventually happened where he did fall to the fourth line and he played eight or nine minutes. I was okay with that, but I, I really don't want any more veterans to come and try and prove that they can win a Stanley cup with this team, because the only one who I've seen that's really done that is Jason Spezza. And again, I think Wayne Simmons has that he's from here. He loves it here. He's a guy who provides a lot in the dressing room. I'm pretty sure. So he'll be another guy that I'm looking forward to seeing how good he does, but I'm liking the shift towards younger and more maybe gritty guys or more creative guys too. Yeah. And just to touch on Simmons real quick, you know, even if he doesn't fully have it at times, he's that energy that you need in like a fourth line type of player, you know? Um, I mean, I know like you saw it whenever he first started fighting the with the Canadians to start out the year, like, that's what that team, that's what the Maple Leafs have been missing for so long. And they need that edge and that energy, um, especially once they get into playoff time, you know, like I'm not saying they need a goon, but like, I feel like every team in the NHL, just with the way the league polices stuff, they need a competent hockey player who knows how to drop the gloves and knows how to fight, you know, mm-hmm. but um one more quick question for you. I know that, like, I've been touching on Timothy Lilligren here and there. Do you think it's sensible to put Travis Dermott into, like, a seventh defenseman type of role to play Lilligren or no? Because, like, it could be one of those things where it's, like, a luxury to the team to have him as a depth piece. Mm-hmm. I really – I don't know. That's a, that's a big question mark. Um, I think he, I think Lily Grin is ready. He showed with the Marlies in my opinion last season that he was ready. I don't know if I don't think the Leafs would be willing to put Travis Dermott on the outside looking in for a player like Lily Grin who hasn't really proven himself at the NHL level yet. It, it would be really nice to see. But I do believe it'll be something like Rasmus Sandin was last season as Travis Dermott was there and then they had Zach Bogosian on the other side. I don't I don't see a way where Lilligren gets into that lineup unless there's an injury and he will be the first one likely that gets called up unless they decide to go down a different route and maybe they get somebody else. I'm not sure, but as it looks right now, I don't think Timothy Lilligren fits into that top six. It's very crowded. I would love him to. I like. There's people who talk about trading him. I'm not the type of person who wants to trade a player like that. He's. I think there's still a lot to look forward to in him. Um, just by the way he plays and all the skill and all, just the knowledge he has. But for now, I hate to say it, but I don't. I don't know if he fits into that top six and gets Dermot to come out. I do think Dermot's at that point of his age where he's still trying to bet on himself, still trying to show what type of player he is. And he's not going to want to come out of that lineup either. Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't think that they're in the position where they could trade Lily Grant simply because who knows what his value is around the league right now, 
you know, exactly. because, you know, to us, we all know that he's just waiting for a chance, but to an outsider looking in as a general manager, trying to get leverage on Kyle Dubas, they could spin that whatever way they want it, want it to go and make it look like, you know, Lily Egren's a depreciating asset rather than a player that's on the rise, you know, because the thing that drives me so crazy is like, you see people on Twitter, people on cap friendly, wherever you go um, to see stuff, they'll want to trade Timothy Lily Egren for some random defenseman who really, yeah, he'd be cool to have, but like, would he actually be as good as Timothy Lily Egren could be, you know, like, I'm not into trading legitimate assets away for like Josh Manson or whoever it may be, because I know that Josh Manson was like the guy like for a time in Toronto. Like he was the, Oh God, they got to have that guy for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's even crazy just after the playoffs ended seeing the trades that were just coming out. It was, to me, I, I was I was getting very upset. Like I don't usually get upset about hockey stuff, because I'm I'm not I. In my videos, I like to yell, but I just like to sit here and be calm and just take everything in. But there was I don't remember the trade, but there was one trade that really got me going, and it was it just made me so upset. Um, that you look at trades like Mark Andre Fleury going to Chicago. That's one that's like, how the hell does that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the trade. I, I would love to, to yell about it. I don't remember it though, but I, I remember that one, one really ticked me off, but just if they were to trade Lilligren, you'd hope they would get a big thing back. But like you said, GMs, they don't know the value of him as much as Dubis and Sheldon Keith do. Cause they deal with them on a daily basis. They might not, but they know what he's like. They know the type of person he is. They know what he's like on the ice. Um, but I, I, I'm a Timothy Lilligren. I, I like him. He's a good player. I, I believe in him. He showed that he's worthy of a spot in the NHL. I really hope he gets one. But they better not trade him. It's, it's not the way to go. That's not the route to go down. It wouldn't be worth it for them. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know what that trade was. Like, because right as soon as you were like, I saw a trade that infuriated me so much. I was like, Marner me, for Line. No, it no, it was a trade that happened. Oh, okay. I want to, I really want to find it. It would, I don't know if it was that bad, but I know it made me upset. Um, I'm was it more recent or was this one? And we're talking like, this it had to have been this summer. Yeah, it was this summer. Yeah, I think it was this summer. But it was like I think it was a or maybe it, it, it might have been the Taylor Hall one, actually. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. We actually like, broke that. Uh, I remember. I, I I'm pretty sure like I think that was the one because I was sitting there and I was just thinking like the Leafs got Nick Foligno for a first round pick. And then you look at Boston and they're like, Oh, we got him for 
I th- was it just Anders Bjork? I think it was, it was Anders Bjork in second. And like, you know, I talk about this all the time where it's like, that's basically like the Leafs could have had him basically for like a second round pick in either their personal choice of Ilya Mikheyev or Pierre Engel. Exactly. Like, and I mean, plus with Felino having that injury too, that like they clearly had to know about. It's just like ridiculous. Now I'll it, tell it, you about it. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say it. It it blew my mind because mm-hmm. I was like, like I I understand like they're getting a guy Nick Felino, who's from Ontario, who wants to win a cup. He's another guy, like I said earlier, not the old guys, just the veterans who are starving for a Stanley Cup who really want one. But even like Taylor Hall didn't really, he did well when he came to Boston. He didn't do exceedingly well in the playoffs where you thought, okay, that trade was really, really worth it. But at the same time, Taylor Hall, if you had Taylor Hall in your top six with the Leafs, it just looks so different than you would with Nick Felino sitting there. Like, yeah. it's like you have Hall either with Tavares and Nylander or Matthews and Marner. It provides so much more scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess, I guess yeah. Davis wanted running, to go down the other road. Yeah. Running him with Tavares and Nylander makes so much sense too, just from like a play style standpoint. I think it would have just been unreal. Uh, I, I was dominating. Yeah. I've been wanting to bring that up. I just haven't had the opportunity to go there, but uh, I'll tell you about a trade that made me angry recently before we uh, wrap this up. Jared McCann being traded in Toronto made me so mad because like, Oh, I'm I feel like they were going to take Brandon Tanner regardless. Oh wait, you, Oh, cause he was on Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, Who he was the only Pittsburgh player had? outside of Crosby. Oh, they got- we got Hollander back in yeah, the Casper Kapanen yeah. trade. <laughs> Literally, though, Nick, Jared McCann was the only player that, like, outside of, like, from when I was, like, a little kid, like, outside of, like, Crosby and Malkin that I truly, like, became, like, attached to. And then he got traded. Like, before the playoffs started, I got a McCann jersey, and I was like, I'm so oh, no. excited to wear this games next year. <laughs> Here we go. Let's go. And I just I need to stop buying jerseys. I think that mm-hmm. that's where we're at now. I'm cursed as well. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to buy a jersey. Um, I can't buy a jersey. They get traded immediately. The only people just... you're allowed to buy is retired players. <laughs> what jerseys do you have? Who me? Yeah. Peyton. Oh, so I bought a uh, I bought a Dom Cahoon jersey, right? And this was whenever they broke the trade. Ole Mata went to Chicago. Dom Cahoon came to Pittsburgh. I was so happy. Oh, my gosh. Because I've been telling people, I'm like, listen, Dom Cahoon is going to be awesome here. And then he did, did pretty good in Pittsburgh. And then they shipped him to Buffalo. And then right before that, I ordered the jersey. I ordered the jersey. And then by the time I got to my house, he was traded. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was so upset. Uh, who else? Oh, yeah. Flur- I have a Flurry jersey as well for Vegas and Pittsburgh. Oh, Not, no. Doesn't play for either of those teams anymore. Uh, there's, there's probably so many more, too. <laughs> I can't even remember. Yeah. I mean, 
I have a bad jersey too. We all have one. It's okay. Hey, I, that Dom Cahoon jersey might be one of my favorite jerseys. Nick might have the best bad jersey of all time, though. Oh my god, let's hear it. Which one? Martin 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 who? It's it's fantastic. You don't know him? No. I'm sorry. My my, uh, headphone took. Okay, uh, crap. There. What was it? Martin Martin Martin. Wow. It's fantastic. It's. It's one of my favorite things. That's the. That's like actually how I found you on Twitter. Was the whole really? Martin Marinson jersey saga? I think I think Adam Wilde shouted you out, and that's how I that's how I uh, became connected to you on Twitter. Was through yeah, that. That was I, I. I don't know if you guys want to hear the story. I can tell it if you want, but uh, please tell uh, it. I yes. want to know. Okay. Um. So they were. I don't remember when it. It was before the pandemic started. So I think it was just the end of February. They're facing Vancouver, um, and Martin Morenson, um, Peyton. If you don't know him, he's he's a player who he's a defenseman. He's a player who a lot of people love to hate because okay. he's he's so good in the AHL. You'd think, oh my god, this guy needs to be there. He needs to be in the NHL. He can do everything, and even with the Marlies last season before he unfortunately left and went back to Europe, he was toe dragging guys. He was joining the rush. He he was, he does. Yeah. And he's like this, I don't know how tall he is, but he's, he's a tall lanky guy, but he can move. Um, But anyways, he was with the Leafs. He came up. Um, I don't know why. I think he was also one more thing I do want to say is he keeps getting, he kept getting re-signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. People are like, why are you do like Kyle Dubas? Why are you doing this? Like, what is the point of having this guy? And just people don't like him. So then what happened was um, they were playing against Vancouver. Um, he was in the lineup. Don't know why. I don't remember. He came down the ice. He shot it between the center ice line and the blue line. Okay. Um, the opposing like Vancouver's blue line. Mm-hmm. And he hit it off the crossbar. And like that shot was, I, I've never seen him shoot that fast. There's not many players who could take a shot like that from that far out and hit it off the crossbar. But um, he did it, came back and got his rebound and scored. And it was like this amazing goal. And it, it turned out to, it was just a meme. It was so funny. Like I was just, I was like, screw it. Like he's a funny, people don't like him. It's, it's a funny thing. I'm like, 500 retweets, I'll buy his jersey. I did it a few weeks earlier for Rasmus Sandin. I actually didn't like Rasmus Sandin, and I was like, okay, I'd be fine buying his jersey. I think it got to like 100 or 200. But the I did it, and it, it, it went up slowly. It sort of was like going the same pathway as the Rasmus Sandin would have went. And I was like, okay, it's not going to make it. And then it kept going. And I was sitting on my couch. I was laughing about it. And my girlfriend was like, like what do you like? Like, what's so funny? And I'm just like, oh, nothing. And then she, she just kept asking me. And I eventually caved and was like, I tweeted this thing about buying a hockey jersey. And like already, I think I had a jersey. I don't, I really don't know if I did, but I think I, I think I have three now. Yeah. I had a winter classic one, but um. I was just sitting there laughing and it just kept going up and up and up. And then 
Adam Wilde retweeted it and he was like, I think he said like best of luck or whatever. And like a few minutes later, it reached over 500. And I was like, God damn it. I got to buy this stupid jersey. Um, so then a few days later, I went downtown to Toronto because I live in like the suburbs. But I went down there. I went to their store in the arena, tried to get it there. They said, oh, we don't have the letters. We'll have to ship it to you. And I'm like, no, that can't happen. I need it now. So they had a store across the street, which made jerseys. So I went there and I was like, I need this jersey. And then he eventually was like, like, why are you getting this jersey? And I just told him the story. And he surprisingly, the guy that was making it, surprisingly, he didn't make it for somebody before. Like a Marinson jersey. I don't know who. It could have been family. But yeah, um, he made it for me and I wore it home with pride. And then that was really it. I mean, now I, I haven't got to wear it to a game. I can't wait till I do because it'll be funny. Um, it would be funnier, though, if he was still with the team. But either way, that's a story that I'll have for the rest of my life. It's a jersey that I'll have for the rest of my life. I really wanted to get it signed by him. I unfortunately wasn't able to. Um, but, man, it was so funny. And it's still funny. That's it's a way better story than mine. A way better story. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but with Peyton's story, literally he went to uh, me and my roommate Colin and was like, do you think he's safe? And we were like, yeah, he's safe. And then I asked know, them directly. We all we all kind of <laughs> hold on, hold on, nobody... hold on. To be fair. Go ahead, Johnny. As I say, to be fair, he came up and asked you guys that back in October. I yeah, did yeah, said it like December ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to keep in mind nobody's ever safe when Jim when Jim Rutherford is the GM of your hockey team. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, that, I was so upset, man. That's I'm what, so upset. It, like I said, but though, it's still one of my favorite jerseys. I wear it. I was just saying, you frequently. got mad at me for uh, from what I said, deadline show. I said, and with Rutherford running the team, I can't even say that the core was safe. Well, yeah, and I mean that's the whole reason he resigned was because the core itself was not safe. Yeah, and that's why he's no longer so, the general all right. manager. All right, we're going to wrap this up, though. Um, anything else that you guys have for Nick last second? Um, no. I was going to actually ask this one for you, Nick. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you guys is up in Toronto don't really have to worry about it. it a lot of the guys in the league, league don't seem to have to worry about it. But what is it with the – what is your take on this one? And with the league going from being – faster, more skilled to getting one or two big, tough guys in the lineup up to, to uh, strengthen in the uh, roster on this one? Um, I don't know because it's always – the league's always a change. It's always changing. I rem- Like I remember I was, I was younger, but when they used to have all the guys who would drop the gloves, who wouldn't be afraid of hitting. And then a few years ago it was more – skilled guys who could go faster and all that this year was sort of different. I think just because of all the divisions aligned and everything else, you sort of, it it was a different season in general. So I think there's a lot of things that will be in the season that won't be in the others, but 
I I like the play. The playoffs come. It's a different game. They a lot of teams. I'm sure you guys have all saw it. They like to ramp it up. They like to make it tough for everyone. I'm totally fine with it. Um, I, I like I enjoy the game like that to a point. Like there, there's a point where you get and there's a line that you can cross, like Mark Shifley did with the hit on. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it was Jake. Was it Jake Evans? It was. Yeah. 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 So there's points that you cross that you don't need to cross. There's the Nazem Kadri thing. Um, that's a crossing point. Um, Tom Wilson, anytime he steps on the ice. Yeah. I mean, it's – there's – like, I, I get, like, even when you play hockey or I play hockey, like, there's points where you get hit and you don't like it, your, your like, emotions will go up to another level. You might play harder – some players react differently and decide, okay, I might just go and take your head off. But um, again, I, I enjoy the type of hockey, the playoffs like that, where there's hitting. If there's an emotional part of the game and guys need to get their team riled up, I don't mind a fight. Like it's, it's okay to see. It's just that line that gets crossed. And I don't think, Guys like Tom Wilson cross that line a lot and he really doesn't care about the line that he's crossing. Like we saw in that New York Rangers game. Um, But I mean, if guys are willing to fight, it really shows what they mean to their team and what, what they just mean as people. And if they're willing to fight to have another day in the league, like Jason Spezza did, it just shows the passion. It shows how raw they are. But again, there are some lines that don't need to be crossed. Some players cross it a lot. Some players don't. Some players need to know when they cross that line. I don't think Mark Shifley really believed at all that he crossed the line with that hit. Um, But in terms of your question, I mean, I enjoy everything about the game right now. There's a whole lot of stuff that the NHL needs to fix in terms of making the game for everyone and all that sort of thing. But the game itself, I like it. It's just that line again. Yeah. Yeah. Because you and I I come from the same brand of hockey because I grew up there. I can safely say I grew up during the end of the Mario era. My first game was the night he returned to the ice against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. And I've like you, I've known where it was it was physical, but they were scoring and it's gone to the, the game where it is not all it was skill, skill and speed and now it's it's like things have regressed back a little bit for the uh the more the or the grinders and and tough guy players are showing up up in the league and it seems to be more that's what uh, the fans want than they do the the actual scoring of it uh, which defies the purpose of the game to me mm-hmm. i think i think though when you when you look at a team like tampa they have guys who are able to do both they have guys like Braden point who is basically like a zach hyman 
not to the length of maybe Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, but he's a guy who can produce a lot. He's like Zach Hyman on steroids. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. But like there's him, um, Nikita Kucherov. He's not afraid to, for one, say what on, is on his mind after he won the Stanley Cup, but he's not afraid. He's not afraid to put his body on the line either. He's not afraid to do what it takes. There's plenty of guys who have that skill and are able to bring that extra level of physicality when they need to. And if I want to go back to it, I'll go back to it one more time. The Leafs need that. They need Austin Matthews to do that all the time. And he does it at some points where you think, holy crap, he just like laid the body on a guy. You don't really see that that often. I remember saying, wow, Austin Matthews actually hit a guy. He's starting to do a little bit more, but there's even guys like Marner. He does not go into the boards. You see a puck battle. He's racing for it. He's not going in there. That's, that's one of the things that they need to have, but the style of game with them being able to be hard and be physical while also having that skill, that speed and everything else, that's the best place to be in, in my opinion. I, I don't really like it being slow. I don't really like it. Like I do enjoy the skill and all that, but, just having that nice line in the middle is okay with me. All right. Good stuff. Um, all right, Nick, um, before you go, where can we find you on Twitter and where can we find some of your content? Um, at Nick Barden on Twitter, Nick Barden on YouTube. Um, Nick Barden on Instagram. I don't know. Uh, Twitter and YouTube are really the two main places. And then I write for the Leafs nation. So the leafsnation.com that's where I put all my Marley's stuff. And if I ever have opinions on the Leafs that I want to write about, that's where they go to. So that's, it's really it. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on Nick. Um, you know, until next time, go Leafs, go Marley's go Jays. Um, all right, guys, this was another episode of Four Checking TV. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Four Checking TV. Subscribe to us on YouTube and get us where and find us wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you guys and good night.